When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Today's conversation is with my dad. It's about our relationship, his brilliant mind, his big heart, and what he has learned about success on the outside and the inside. We shared with each other and for you the confusion, complexities, and gifts of generational mental illness and what it means to be fully seen and loved exactly as you are. Happy Father's Day to all the fathers and grandfathers listening today. And for those of you who have lost your fathers, who are no longer here in their earthly bodies, I hope you'll look for them in all the small little moments that make up your day and find comfort in knowing they are always by your side. Today's special Father's Day episode of A Little Wiser, I'm very, very excited about our guest because it is none other than my dad, Tom Davidson. Dad, welcome to the show. Thank you so much, Kimmy. I normally make our guests introduce themselves, but I knew you would like that, so I'm introducing you. I love it. Tom Davidson, husband, father of three, grandfather of seven, and many, many other things in the world, but I know those are the ones that you hold most dear. Absolutely, Kimmy. Couldn't be more blessed. So I did this with mom on Mother's Day during the pandemic. So it only took you three years to get on the show (laughs) (laughs) after mom. But I am really grateful for the opportunity to have this conversation with you for Father's Day. And also because you know this show so well, you have you listened to every episode? Yes, of course. (laughs) (laughs) And you and I have spent so much time talking about it. I really think that you get all the wiser, you get what the show is about, the intention and our listeners. So I think that's important for people listening to know, too, that that you're also a part of this community outside of, of being my dad. You're a all the wiser groupie. All right. Well, let's get to the good stuff. Let's talk about <laughs> us. Okay. <laughs> That's the good stuff. That is the good stuff. Did you always want to be a dad? Did you know you wanted to be a dad? Oh, yeah, very much so. You did? Yeah. I've never asked you that. Oh, like one of the greatest things in my life. Yeah. Yeah, I just didn't know if it was something that you had 
grown up thinking about. So you you did. You always knew you wanted to be a dad. Absolutely. Yeah. I know your memory. This is something you and I talk about a fair amount because of medications and other things are are not having the best memories. So you can just do the best you can. But do you remember becoming a father? Do you remember when Heather and I were born? Heather's my my sister who's uh, 16 months older. Do you remember that time? Well, obviously, it, it, it was a first-time experience, right? And I remember you being delivered. <laughs> and I remember about how uh, beautiful I thought both you and Heather were right after I could see you. One of the most exciting times of my life was when you guys were born and created a whole new dimension for me of being a father and what it meant to be a father. What do you remember about me as a kid, as a little girl? <laughs> Depends on which age, Kimmy. <laughs> you have an open mic, Dad. You can say whatever you want. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's see. What would I remember about you as, as a kid? You were always very focused. You were extremely bright and energetic. You were wonderful. And rebellious. And rebellious. Well, yes, you were rebellious. That that was the function of your age, though. That was when you got to be 13 years old. <laughs> and then it was a bit challenging. <laughs> Mom was on the front lines of that. I think we addressed that on the Mother's Day episode. I tried to apologize in public. <laughs> <laughs> I've actually never asked you about meeting mom and and falling in love and and deciding to start a family what do you remember about that well i met your mother for the first time i started a company i had a client uh i was visiting that client and your mom greeted me and asked if i wanted anything and i said sure i want to i'd like a coke well as it turns out at that time, I really didn't like a Coke, but I liked the person who was offering me a Coke. So, I This is the moment in the interview where I'm uh, fake listening while texting my mom halfway across the country because I think my dad needs a water. It has been a half century, and the woman is still making and bringing him waters and Diet Cokes on a daily basis. The next thing that happened, interestingly enough, and I didn't find this out until a long time later, is that the day that Debbie met me, she went home that day and said to her mother, I've met the man I'm going to marry. And it was about two or three years when she happened to be in a building that I had an office in, and she was working for a company d uh, delivering tickets airline tickets and she looked up at the at the uh, marquee and saw the name of my company in the building so she decided to come up to my office and say hello and uh, that day 
we had drinks after work, and from then on, then on, we were pretty much inseparable. What do you remember liking about her? What were you drawn to? Oh, uh, she was she was kind. She was extremely bright. <laughs> she was very loving. She cared a lot about other people. We had several things that were things that we both loved as our relationship evolved. But both of us loved sailing, which became a wonderful thing for us to do together. We, we both loved traveling, which we've done a lot of. We've been able to involve our kids and our grandkids in a great way in our lives. And we've been blessed to have, we've been able to enjoy and experience with them. Um, you you guys really have created this beautiful life. To, to go back to family and you falling in love with mom and, and starting the family and becoming a father, you know, a lot of our Growing up, you were working as an entrepreneur, building things, ideas and companies and creating creating things in the world and creating opportunities for people, which I certainly watched you do. What were those decades for you of building companies while raising a family? Well, it was very challenging because I had as you know, started a company, actually later two companies. And being the, the founder of these companies, you got to spend a lot of time with the business, obviously. And it becomes a challenge to balance your relationship with your kids and your wife with your commitment to being a successful business person. And as I've shared with you and and everyone, as I look back on it, I wish that I had spent more time with my family. But at the time, I was absorbed with being the good leader of a good company. So I, I remember I would <laughs> I would get up at four or five o'clock in the morning uh, and go to work and come home at seven o'clock at night and spend time with my family, which I, I wish it had been more. Yeah. But you, I've, I, I hear you and I agree with you and I've learned a lot recently. <laughs> I think even more so during the pandemic and after about time and how precious it is and how we value it and spend it. So I don't think it, it's, it's ever perfect for anyone. But I also want to recognize that you were this very, especially considering the time, incredibly big-hearted entrepreneur thinking about not just building a company that's financially successful, but making a positive impact in the world, you know, through scholarship funds and building places that people love to work at and their families love to be a part of. So 
it's a disservice to just sort of ever paint you as just a, an entrepreneur because I, you were creating a lot of really good, positive things in the world during that time away. We talked about meeting mom, talked about me being born, a little bit about your career. We have a lot in common. One of the things we have in common is bipolar disorder. Thanks, Dad. (laughs) Yeah. Well, it's a blessing and a curse, Kimmy. (laughs) It sure is. What do you remember about, well, gosh, when you look back on it, I don't even know that I know that much about your story. So what do you remember about, that you're comfortable sharing, I guess, about the moments, you know, the the marquee tentpole moments that led up to you eventually being diagnosed in your 50s? I mean, much, much later than I was diagnosed. Because of of when I was born and when I was growing up, there was very little knowledge that bipolar even existed. Uh, It wasn't till probably I was 40 years old and suffering from a lot of the characteristics of the disease that it was even known by most doctors of of what it was and how to diagnose it and how to treat it and so in in that period of time things had gotten worse and worse and worse before I was diagnosed and uh, I had a lot of the significant problems that bipolar illness seems to encourage. And that was, you know, I thought about suicide at a point. I thought uh, as I was finally diagnosed, I had a feeling that I was just not going to be able to function in the world. And it was around when I was 50 years old, actually, that I got diagnosed by uh, a physician and one of the rare physicians who really understood what was happening. And that started a long journey of trying to treat the illness, and which is kind of a trial and error is the way I would describe it. You're working with a physician. They're giving you medication and trying to tweak the medication to be what's right for you. And each case is different. So it's very, very challenging. Um, At the time of the diagnosis, was it a relief or were you scared? Were you ashamed? What, What do you remember about getting diagnosed? Good question. Um, I, I was concerned. I was scared uh, because what I was experiencing was so extreme that I wasn't functioning properly 
and it seemed to be getting worse. So, yes, I was scared. And what do you mean you weren't functioning properly? Well, <laughs> I wasn't functioning properly because the, the moments of depression are huge. I was losing my self-confidence. I was concerned about the stigma surrounding mental illness. I was concerned that it would impact my ability uh, as an entrepreneur, as a leader, as a manager. I, I, you know, I felt like I was going crazy. That was, that's why I was scared. So do you remember if, the, did the diagnosis feel, because I, I would think, well, I know you didn't talk about it. This is definitely your first time talking about it publicly. And I don't even think you, uh, you're 83 probably until the, well, how open have you been about it actually? Let me just ask you rather than presume. Up until today, yeah, I've I've never been open about it. I've I've been concerned that if my employees knew that was the case, that that they would not respect me early on. And I've chosen not to go public with this because of a lot of fears that probably were. A function of my age and when I developed the symptoms. And yeah, I, I would use terms like embarrassing, feeling like you're judged by other people, not understanding the severity of the illness or the actions taken. Yeah. You can't like you don't have control of what narrative people have around the illness or what it says about you if you have the illness. Absolutely true. Yeah. And that's, that's feels scary. Do you remember, because now that I think about it, you're holding a lot together on the outside because you obviously have a family and companies and you're not behind the scenes at all. You're in a position of leadership. So how did you, do you remember how you managed going through a, a mental health crisis and depression and a diagnosis while trying to be in the world doing all those things? <laughs> Incredibly challenging. I think that the some of the positive characteristics actually helped me. I think that I was very creative. I had a huge amount of energy. <laughs> I had a respect for other people, uh, my employees. Yeah, I. I uh, there, there are a lot of positive aspects of being bipolar. There are a lot of really, really negative aspects. But I think the combination was a, a reason for my success. And I think had I not been bipolar, I probably would not have been as successful. I would agree with that statement. And people don't 
fully understand that the chemical imbalance in the brain and part of ways of being um, for some people, I think both you and I have certain aspects of of these ways of being or attributes or um, tied to having this disorder can be have positive outcomes. So how would you explain that to somebody who doesn't understand what the hell we're talking about? <laughs> well, first of all, I haven't tried to explain it to anybody because I've only shared it with my family and, and some close friends. But um, the highs are high and the lows are low. And I think it's really hard to mask the problem so that people don't figure out for themselves that there's something wrong. <laughs> it's. I think it's very hard to explain to somebody because they have no point of reference. So in the case of our family, obviously, it's been a, a problem and a blessing. And unfortunately, or fortunately, <laughs> I passed it down to you. Yeah. Yeah. What do you remember about me being diagnosed? Oh, scary. Because of what I was experiencing when you were diagnosed, we uh, we went to Africa. We came back from you came back from Africa and displayed for the first time some serious concerns on our part that you were bipolar. Just the not eating and sleeping and. Yeah. Yeah. And and depression. And I think you were having it. Well, I know you were having a terrible struggle at the time uh, dealing with school. And and uh, I, I knew the bad side that I was experiencing. And I was really concerned that you would experience the same thing. So. I didn't even think about that, that you were. I don't know how I didn't even think about that. That you had firsthand knowledge of how scary it must have been for you, especially since you, you know, had had suicidal thoughts and then knowing that I had the same thing must have been really scary. Really scary. Yeah. I really, you know, we always talk about how we both have bad memories. So, I don't know if it's because you were working so much when I was growing up, but the, you know, our father-daughter relationship obviously began the day that I was born, but I really look at how incredibly close we are, and I, for some reason, really mark the beginning of that really strong unit that the two of us are around Boulder and the, the diagnosis. There was something about the way you showed up for me during that time. And I don't know if it was because you had just, you were trying to, you were just figuring out yourself and how to help yourself. And so you were equipped with so much, but in 
in my timeline of our relationship, that is a, a very important marker of our closeness. Yeah. I think the, the by that time, I was really, really concerned and wanting to develop a close relationship. I was less concerned at that point in my life of being successful in, in business as being successful as a father and having a close relationship with all of you. I, re- I don't know. I remember going to Steamboat Springs. We were in Steamboat Springs, and I was really, really, really not well. I don't know. I just remind, remember like driving along the, the creek bed, and you took me to an acupuncturist. And I think we maybe even like stopped at a chapel or something. There was, we walked in some sort of, I think it was a chapel along a creek, but I just really remember you being like there in it with me, if that makes sense. And I don't even know if you remember all of that, but you were very much like next to me. Well, I've always wanted to be next to you and next to my entire family. And I definitely felt an increasing bond over time for reasons I think that that uh, I, I was able to spend more time with you. I was really proud of you and wanted to share my strong feelings about what a wonderful person you were. Yeah, you were... I felt very freaked out as the understatement, just scared to like be in my body, to live in my body, to all of that. And you were right there with me in a really beautiful way. And I think, you know, I was hiking with a friend whose son was going to college last year and she was talking about, you know, relationships and kids this moment where all of a sudden your your kids are gone and you think, well, that's it, right? You know, here here was this chance to build the relationship and the connection. And I brought us up and just, you know, if we're lucky, life is long. And that, you know, a relationship between a father and a daughter or a mother and a son isn't just 18 years, ideally, again, if we're lucky. But I feel like ours really just got started when I was a young adult, if that makes sense. That makes a lot of sense. (laughs) Yeah. Do you agree? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. So I thought it was hopeful in the sense that if there's some people who feel some sense of regret about the childhood years that, like, so there I was, 19, I'm 40, I'll be 47, I think, next week. You know, that we've had all of this connection and shared experience. And yeah, it's it's really, it's interesting because <laughs> you're, you're so important to me as a person because I just think you 
get me in a, in a way that that um, is so unique and special. And I think you're probably the one person in the world who I feel like you can re I don't know if it's respond, receive, relate to all the different aspects of me. I feel like there's certain pieces of myself that I have to pull back sometimes based on who I'm in the room with or what I'm talking about. And I feel like all the different versions of me, you um, know how to be with, if that makes sense. Makes a lot of sense. That's the way I feel. It's like the ruminating crazy <laughs> me, um, the big idea, like big dream chasing me, like the sad weepy me, the family me, <laughs> like most of my like deeper ways of being like you, I feel like very safe being all of those and at ease being all of those ways with you. That is so special. You are like all of my kids so special in my life. I do feel an incredibly close bond with you in many, many respects. I, I, I just adore you and I am so proud of you and the way that you treat people and the way that you uh, are there for family, all of our family. I, I just feel a warmth about our bond together, I guess. I I mean, I wish that we could, I could explain to people listening, like how <laughs> you, just how deeply supportive you are as a father. This is the man who took a ad out in the local <laughs> Coeur d'Alene, Idaho newspaper, a full page ad when I had a documentary film out because he wanted people to go and see it. So I just do very much feel like for all of your kids and your grandkids, you're always you know, rooting us on. And I know that everybody feels that support and that love. What has been the greatest gift of fatherhood and grandfatherhood for you? Oh, the greatest gift of being a father, being a grandfather, is the love. I guess it's the love uh, and the degree of love. To share my life, with my family and as a father having that opportunity to bond in in a very dear and meaningful way with my with my kids and my grandkids if there are fathers listening dads younger dads listening is there any piece of wisdom from a wise 
83-year-old man that you would offer fathers listening? Well, the world is challenging for anybody. And I think uh, as, as a parent, you want to make your children feel safe. Obviously, you want to make your children feel incredibly loved. And to be a good parent means so many different things that focusing on one, (laughs) probably there isn't one, there are just so many. Being kind, being considerate, being loving, being willing to be vulnerable, there are just so many aspects of it. Yeah. Well, you keep getting better and better with age, Dad. (laughs) Thank you, Kimmy. I love you so much, and early happy Father's Day. Thanks, honey. Love you. Okay. Love you, sweetheart. See you soon. See you soon. All right. See you soon next week. All right. (laughs) Bye. Bye, honey. mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for $2.49 a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today, or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.